0: Right center, if he hits one there, we can dance in the streets. The 2-1. Swag, line
1: drive, let One run is in. Here comes Braves. He's the front of the place. He is! Nice! Braves win. Braves win! Braves win! Braves win! Braves win! What? Braves win! My name is Andy White. I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis. And the slickest of slats, K-slats, Kevin Slattery. Boy, has it been a while. A long July without QU hot takes. It was, I think it's been a month and a week. And here we are back at it again. Uh, Justin had some traveling. Marshall is still in some traveling. I've had a busy couple of weeks. I know Kevin as well, busy with work and volleyball and some more. So good to have us all back. Uh, We will start with Justin. How are you doing? Uh, What's been going on? Alabama treating you well, all the likes. What's going on?
0: Yeah, it's been great. Like like I said, I think before we uh, took our hiatus, which, you know, kind of felt like uh, back when we were still in college and we were still on the radio program, you know, to have that kind of break from the show. Um, But overall, you know, I was in London, I was in Amsterdam, both like great times being out there. And just last week, I drove down with my uh, father to move into Alabama for my new job. And, you know, it's been great so far. It's been a lot of building furniture and getting settled in and working on getting ready to really get my job grinding and going, but you know, it's been well. And if I have one recommendation for anyone who ever moves, don't buy a Walmart bookcase. It's hell on earth. And and to clarify, to clarify, I had, I bought a gamer chair that had like screws and need like drills and stuff like that. Took 30 minutes to build. No problems. Absolutely great. I bought these Walmart furniture bookcases and they're, they're about like eight total little squares, to a side, so it's a two by four kind of situation. And they're cloth and metal poles and plastic. And it takes me two and a half hours to build each one of them just because they put the poles in. And, and they're up now and the cloth's put in and all that and um, they don't stand up straight. And I don't think that's my fault um i i do think it's because it's just really flimsy material so if you're gonna buy a bookcase, just go on amazon and buy a wooden one it was like it would have been like ten dollars more and i made a grave error
1: what about uh ikea would you think that might be better as well or no
0: you know I, ikea furniture treated uh me and my my old roommate the force man pretty well uh but um i will say it is very hard to move with if you're trying to move shortly after. If you buy Ikea furniture, buy it at your destination. Don't buy it prior to you moving. And if you're going to move, I would probably scrap your Ikea furniture and start over. All of it made here in one piece, but you know, it, it gets dinged up pretty dang easily. So I got a few scratches and bruises on everything and not worth it to save these $20 to $200 small pieces of furniture. Would have rather just rebought it. Um, so yeah. Ikea is great. Don't move it though.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Kevin, how's your July been? Uh, did you, did you win the volleyball league or is that still going on or what's up?
2: That's still going on. I mean, I will say it's been like, we've been up and down. We had one week where we went and six and we absolutely got our asses handed to us. Honestly, there, there was this one old guy on the other team who just knew how to like place the ball in perfect spots He was probably like the Larry Bird of volleyball, like couldn't really move, but like knew all the angles and everything. Um, And then another week we went four and two and that was probably the best week or not not week, but best day I've ever played with volleyball. That was probably the best I've ever played. So overall, man, pretty happy about that. Um, We're doing better. Tough thing though is like like, we have people who come in and out all the time. So we don't always have a set team that like we have like 18 people on our roster, but like some weeks, like six show up.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: So, yeah, I mean, we have like a 36 year old, like elementary school teacher on our team. Like we, we got all sorts of people, um, friends of office coworkers and such. So overall it's pretty good. Um, not much in the way too socially. I mean, my brother came down with COVID after going to orientation. So, he's up in his room right now, which, you know, that really sucks for him because he was like being very careful and stuff. And then he went to orientation. Didn't, you know, he was in like a big mess hall with like a couple hundred people. And then I guess he just got it, but you know, it, but it's, it's just so random. Like I, like I've been going to office to my office without a mask and it just never crossed my mind, but I don't know. There you go. There
1: you go. Well, oh, I'm glad cool. he's doing, I'm glad he's doing better. Hopefully he recovers well. Sure. He will. Um, Let's, let's get after some sports. We have a lot to discuss. We might skip a couple yes. of things here, depending on how much we talk. But um, more, we'll start with some uh, recent news. And Luis Castillo, the pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, or I should say former as of yesterday, was, you know, he was going to be traded. People knew that. Yankees were a possibility. Other places were a possibility. And he now lands on the Seattle Mariners. How do we feel about that? He is currently a 2.86 ERA. He has not played a full season, of course, as he hasn't done that, frankly, in a few years. Um, Is this a good move for the Mariners? How much does it move the needle? I'll say it it doesn't move the needle uh, that much right now. Uh, I think the Mariners are still considered one of those fringe wildcard teams. Maybe it'll help uh, win a game like that. But I will say future-wise, if they keep him for a little while, between Julio Rodriguez and Kyle Lewis and killing and some of those other young prospects, they got having a guy like Castillo, if he genuinely has a sub three ERA for several years to come, uh, they could be cooking with something, but for this year, I don't know how much further it gets them past the wild card, but I like, I like looking down the looking down the years for Seattle. Not a, not a bad move.
0: Justin. Yeah, for me, I agree. I don't think it impacts Seattle in the moment. And, And you said in the long term, I would say even in the long term for me, I, I would say short-term compared to where you have it. If the Seattle Mariners make playoffs, there's a story here. They have a great pitching staff for a playoff run. I mean, they have some of the best, one of the best starting pitching staffs in the league, but it's a matter of if Luis Castillo does move that needle to even get them there. Um, And I just am unconfident in that with how well the AL East has played this year. I mean, it's, It's going to be a very tough run for Seattle to reach that point. And Castillo, I've been in on, I've been out on. He's a very hard guy to predict. I mean, he's young still, so there's still a lot of years for growth. But he hasn't shown me anything that makes me think that he's a great long-term option yet for the Mariners to sign to a long-term deal. And to my knowledge, unless someone tells me otherwise, I don't think he has signed any kind of deal, or it doesn't sound like that any deal's imminent at this moment. Um, So it really could be um, similar to like a rental situation. I I believe Castillo still has another year on his contract. Is that right? Or is this his last? Yeah.
1: No, I I think he has one more.
0: Okay. That's what I thought. So he has another year. That'll help a bit let the Mariners see how that plays out. But it could be one of those situations where if you don't end up winning now, you just let Castillo walk and you try to figure something else out because he's probably going to ask for more money than he's worth, in my opinion. Um, very similar to kind of like Chris Bryant getting traded to the Giants last season. That's the kind of similarity I see here. Just you got one more year, the boot on the contract. It's actually as a Phillies fan, it's very similar to the Kyle Gibson situation when the Phillies trade for him from the Rangers just guy on a two year deal, having a really excellent year, but not a guy who's had in and out great success. So you're definitely going to see that kind of cool down. And I think Castillo's better than Gibson, but, I think it's still a tough sell for a team like that to feel a lot of value in that player, unless they put up the two consecutive years. What
1: I will say before Kev goes is they're currently right now in the wild card spot. And I think, um, they're, you know, they're second right now in the wild card. I I don't really see a world where they kind of fall to, you know, the guardians or the Orioles or the Red Sox or anything like that. Um, but I could see where being in the wild card could potentially not be enough either, but you're right with the pitching staff. Who knows? So, uh, all right, Kevin, your take.
2: Yeah. I mean, in terms of trade partners, the Reds and the Mariners are kind of like bosoms mates at this point, because like they, they also trade for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from the Reds too. So there's a little bit of a rapport there in terms of those two teams being trade partners with each other. I will say though, I like this approach by the Mariners because The two teams, obviously, I think in the ALCS that everybody thinks are going to be there are the Yankees and the Astros, but if you're the Mariners as an organization, no one's banking on you to obviously win the whole league. You have Julio Rodriguez, who's panned out and looks like he's a star in the making. Kelenic hasn't really panned out to a large degree. Um, He's in the minors. Maybe he comes back up and it's good, but you have good pitchers now. You also have Robbie Ray. Um, And this is a good turnaround from like a year or two ago where you had the team president basically say that to like basically like a, I think it was like a radius club or something. It was like a baseball fan club that like basically they were manipulating contracts and trying to keep people down to keep salaries low. This seems like a team now that's seemingly turning it around and going in to some degree in terms of making assets, trying to be better. And this is a team too, that's also at the longest playoff drought. And I think all the big four sports, they haven't made the playoffs, I think, since 2001 when they had that great Mariners team. So at the end of the day, the Mariners have consistently disappointed people for the last 20 years and through much of their existence, honestly, having some great players. So if they just get into the postseason, I think it's a huge win for the people of Seattle.
0: You're giving me some fear here, Kev, because in the MLB you know who has the second longest playoff drought? Who? The Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, my. <laughs> which has which is a huge difference to the Mariners because the Phillies, I believe, haven't been there since 2012, 2013, and they have the second longest drought in the MLB, which says a lot about MLB turnover and ability for teams to make playoffs in that league yes. and turn around teams quickly. But, yeah, I definitely have that uh, fear. And for all the hate I did give to Luis Castillo in general, I – do Think the Mariners made the right trade there. I mean, they gave up their first and third prospect, I think, but uh, I think for how those prospects would probably turn out in the Seattle organization, I think it's a huge win um, mm. for Seattle, regardless. I, I think they definitely used their assets well for that deal.
2: I, I can't believe Luis Castillo finally got traded too. That guy's been like on the trade block for like eight years, seemingly. Yeah, I, I think it's
0: been like his entire life.
2: <laughs> I remember in high school he was on the trade block. Like I remember people were like, Yeah, the Reds might trade Louis Luis Castillo this this trading period. I'm like, oh wow, that's a cool story, bro. And now I am graduated college and he finally got traded. So I feel like there should be a parade or something. But
0: it shows how desperate Cincinnati's been for years, thinking in delusion that their <laughs> team would eventually get there. And then right. they trade away winkering Suarez in the offseason yeah. and then never bothered to do anything with Castillo until now.
1: And now they're, and they're, they're trading the, the kin too. It, it's just, everybody's just, they're done. They're, they're, just, they're, they're finally done, you know,
0: <laughs> good for them.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. Next though, on the, uh, the trade market situation is Andrew Benatendi going mm-hmm. to the Yanks. So he's currently now on the Royals. He was on the Red Sox for obviously, uh, I believe it was six years or something like that. Um, so he's on the Royals. He just signed a one-year deal to play this season. Currently for eight mil, and now he's on the Yanks. How do you feel about it? the Yanks? Gave up four prospects, none of their top three prospects. Um, for Ben Attendee, who currently has a 316 batting average, he was the former first round seventh pick. uh Good move by the Yanks. They need it. Joey Gallo's been not good. He's had some pretty depressing comments, though, about yeah, him being feeling bad and stuff like that. It's tough to read that, but then you realize these guys make millions and it is like a game and they're having a lot of fun. So, uh, But it's still tough to listen to a little bit. But um, So Beniteni being out there, it's great. I think for him, he seemed to be stoked. The roll call that they do in, from the outfield with the bleacher creatures, he seemed to love that. Uh, his name being chanted before the game starts. Uh, it's a good move for the Yanks. It gives, uh, gives more depth in the outfield, helps them out hitting tremendously, which is very necessary. Uh, the only concern I have is after this year, I find it very hard to believe He doesn't want a monstrous contract. So I don't know if the Yankees are just doing this right now just to try to win the World Series right now and get rid of him or if they're going to have more struggles with contracts moving forward. But you can't tell me this guy after this year, a former top 10 pick batting 316, especially if the Yankees win a World Series, isn't going to ask for, frankly, 30-plus million a year. So we'll see how the Yankees dissect that, I think. But uh, for right now, I like it. Justin.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't pay that guy $30 million, that's for sure. But you know that's what <laughs> – I
1: mean, that's going to be a request,
0: I think. He'll try. I, I don't know. I, I, I could see him making 2022. That would be my guess, honestly. Sure, 2022, sure. maybe a three-year deal. So, sixty sixty six million $66 in total. Um, I, I think it's a good move for the Yanks short term. I agree. I hope they don't try to sign – if I'm a Yankees fan, I'm hoping they're not trying to sign him again this offseason. It just – is an unnecessary player and a player that like has some inconsistencies and I wouldn't say is going to be like a true in and out player. And it's not a guy that I see play in every single day for a franchise in the next couple of years. So I think it's a great move right now for the Yanks. I think it's an absolutely stellar trade for them, but I don't think it's a long-term solution to anything. I think the Yanks are in a win now mentality and it's become a, league where it's the yankees and dodgers constantly building up their teams with all the money they have and then somehow a team like the braves will still win i was saying this in the chat it's literally just everyone will talk all season it's gonna be yankees dodgers yankees dodgers and i don't disagree with the conversation that people are having about that but everyone will just be wrong because some random team will get hot and win a couple series and then all of a sudden it's completely different
2: you're ruling out Daddy Steve's baseball team, Justin. Daddy Steve and the Mets just took two from the Yankees. I mean, Daddy Steve wants what Daddy Steve gets. So at the end of the day, it, I uh, I think I think they're potentially in play. So yeah, I've never
0: be. seen a Mets fan get what they want. Never, dude. I'm, <laughs> gonna be, I'm gonna be I'm
1: gonna be i be real. Like as a Yankees fan, I genuinely believe the 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 World Series is going to be Mets Astros, or Mets Mariners. Like, I I genuinely think it's going to be one of those two options. You don't think the Yankees are going to make it. I don't, I don't, I don't see a world. I mean, this is too many years in a row, right? Although, hang on. I recognize that this is like definitely the year that's been more hyped up for sure. But this is the classic Yankees where now we get into late July and August, where all of a sudden the pitchers who are really good stink again. And this is just like the constant end of the summer into the offseason. You know, Garrett Cole is going to struggle in the, in, in the playoffs. We all know that. And it's just going to be not good pitching. It's not going to go well, I think. Uh, and the Mets are playing this well. Had Scherzer for like half the year. Haven't had DeGrom. And McGill was out for over half the year as well. And they're still winning this many games. Uh, so I got Mets-Astros or Mets-Mariners. Uh, Yankees, will. I think they'll be in the ALCS. But they're gonna they're gonna fall. I hope not. We'll see. Anyway, we'll sleep,
0: Kevin. Yeah, the Mets pissed me off because I said that they would not be in first place at the end of July, and they're gonna barely be in first place because the Braves couldn't beat the Phillies. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, you don't want the Phillies to lose, are right? you? You should. I know. I'm Phillies. just
0: saying the Braves blew it. They blew my whole hot take. Yeah. I was really on that. I was sure it was gonna hit with how well the Braves were playing.
1: You were, and they are playing well, and they still are. And they're gonna be. Yeah, they'll,
0: uh, they'll be chilling. Except well, the players well are hurt now again.
1: Yeah, the usual true.
0: Atlanta can't keep their players healthy mentality has happened all over <laughs> again. It's like <laughs> wild.
1: Um, but Kev, better tend to do the Yanks. Like it or don't like it?
2: Uh, I love it because at this point with where their outfield is, if Judge are standing and stands out right now, but if Judge isn't necessarily in a great hitting streak, You have a lot of guys who aren't necessarily great contact hitters in the outfield. Ben is that he's a guy who's able to hit over 300. He's had one year where he had 20 home runs. And then to your point, why you guys saying you wouldn't give him a max deal. He's never been a great power hitter. And that was one of the criticisms of him when he first got drafted and was first in the show. But ultimately for this Yankee team, they just need him to get on base consistently if he singles and doubles all the time, I could care less if he has only 12 home runs for the rest of the year, or even five. He just needs to be a machine so that guys who are the big thumpers, the guys who strike out more, they can get on, they can get on base and then hit a home run or something, and then they get runs attached. Joey Gallo at this point, his hitting woes I would say, are worse than at any point of Gary Sanchez's career. Like, Joey Gallo is probably a net negative at this point in terms of like the team. And he does seem like a nice guy and I feel bad for him, but he probably needs to go somewhere else, revitalize his stock. And then he can go and then make big money elsewhere. But I think this is a win for them. If the Yankees give Benatendi a contract, I would, because I don't know how many other great contact hitters are in the lineup and you never know if Aaron Hicks could get injured or judge or Stan or somebody else. And obviously like, you're not going to have like Brett Gardner come back in a year or two to play like outfield. So I think for Ben and you know, you want a reasonable price, but I think it makes sense to resign him for depth reasons. And realistically, if you have other guys around him who can hit home runs, he can be an everyday guy, in my opinion.
1: And Aaron Hicks can have some batting woes occasionally too. I, um, I
0: Pink guy still exists. Jeez,
2: <laughs> I the thing
0: with Hicks—he's not as bad as Uzi. he used. Was, he was—he was worse a couple of years ago, for sure. He's just such a quiet yes. player. Like no one has ever talked about him. He's like the most untalked about player in the Yankees organization. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, the thing for him is he walks a lot, and he normally has pretty good defense. Yes. Um, and to be fair, I'm probably not as critical with Hicks as I am Joey Gallo because. I remember spots in the postseasons in the past where Hicks had big moments, right? Like I remember when he drilled Verlander in 2019 and it was off the foul, the, the uh, foul line or foul pole. And it was a home run. Like I remember those moments and he has, he did like a Ken Griffey bat flip. And so I, I have a soft spot for him in my heart because I remember those moments and I cherish them.
1: Okay. Next on the trade Block, who's now on the Mets, the other team that we were talking about, who won the Subway Series, at least the first of it, uh, Tyler McQuinn. He is was, was on the Reds, and now he's on the Mets. How much does this one move the needle? I will begin and say close to zero. Uh, however, occasionally he can hit home runs when it matters. Uh, right now he's only got seven, though. I, don't, I, I mean, he hasn't played most of the year. So I'll, I'll give him that. Um, so he's a home run. He's a power guy strikes out a lot. Average is sometimes good. Sometimes bad, pretty inconsistent. Maybe he could help relieve some stress off of guys like Alonzo for hitting bombs. I don't know how much it helps outside of maybe the Mets are like, Oh, this is another guy that at least sort of has a name around the league. And I think that actually can benefit them a little bit, but I think the Mets are good enough where the marginal benefit of Tyler is, is not going to help them much more than I think they're already chilling. Um, Kevin, we'll go to you next.
2: I would say for, I was looking up his stats, and I found something, someone reported on this, that he's left-handed and he hits 264 and slashes 333 and 472 off of righties. And the Mets, in the last several weeks, they've been looking for guys who are platoon hitters. They got Vogel back from the Pirates. At times their lineup has lacked power. And they don't always do well platoon-wise against righties. So I think the why you pick up Naquin and why you pick up Vogelback is they're just shoring up the weaknesses in some parts of their lineup because they've been a very good contact team. But outside of someone like Pete Alonzo, like where really is a whole lot of the power on the lineup? I mean, you could even look at someone like Lindor and say maybe that he doesn't necessarily have the same power numbers that maybe he did in Cleveland. Uh, But I think it's a good move, and I think for them, you know, the salary cap is just a line in the stand, and they're routinely comfortable going over it. And it's nice, uh, but we'll see what happens because the biggest X factor for them is Jacob Degrom. And whether he can be healthy because the last two years he has not been. But if he's healthy, they have a very good chance of winning the World Series.
1: He's starting Tuesday. We'll see if he could he can handle it. And his rehab starts. I think I saw that. Uh, um, his first five pitches were all 102 miles an hour.
2: <laughs> it was basically like, yeah, forget it. <laughs> he he the biggest X factor going into the postseason of any player. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. Uh, all right. Uh, Justin? Well, it's quite the assumption that he's going to make it to the postseason. I don't think he's going to. Um, it's a valid uh, concern. It's a valid concern. The fact he's throwing 102 miles per hour is actually more concerning than good <laughs> to me because um, he probably fair. just shouldn't be. <laughs> um, That's fair. That's fair. The Naquin moves, interesting, because there's also so much talk right now that Mancini is about to go um, to the Mets as well. Yeah. Um, mm. So it's really? a lot of yeah. I mean, that's the conversations I've been seeing. Mancini said oh it's good buys to the Baltimore fans in the stands yesterday, and he's been talked about like the number one destination being the Mets come wow. Monday is the trade deadline, wow. or is it Wednesday? Uh, it's
1: Tuesday. It's the fifth. It's or uh, I thought it was the fifth of. I oh, was
0: it the third. I don't know. It's sometime next week. Um, <laughs> but uh. His, it seemed like he was saying his goodbyes. Like maybe maybe this is Baltimore's last maybe this was um Baltimore's last home game before the trade deadline. But regardless, like he seemed to be starting to say his uh goodbyes and the Mets are the number one target. So I think it's a weird to be adding Naquin on top of that. Um uh, but overall, like I'm not complaining. If I'm a Mets fan, it was a good trade, it was a good deal. Um I I the Mets need more bats. I don't know if Naquin I would consider is a better bat for that team or not at this point, but it's good to have that depth because if we're talking about injury-prone teams, the Mets are definitely on that list as well, right next to the Braves. I mean, I, it's just a National League East issue. If you're a contender, you're hurt in the National League East. Um, so that's just how it's going to be, and the Mets are built in depth, which is important.
1: All right. Possibly the news of the MLB moving towards next week is Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto, for those of you who may not know or follow baseball, this guy's a little bit more important than the past few people we've mentioned. Uh, 23 years old. Actually, is he 24 now? Anybody? Anybody? He's 23 still uh, for uh, another like 80 days. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's been in the majors for a few years. He, he helped the Nationals win their championship. He's led the league in on base percentage, I believe, twice. And a couple of those years let me give you these numbers <laughs> 2020 is on base percentage was 490 2021 it was 465 he was also batting 350 and 315 currently right now he's batting only 243 with a 399 on base percentage uh but he's still hitting bombs a lot of rbis still playing well walks a lot won a home oh, run derby.
0: derby
1: he also won the home run derby this is correct uh on the <laughs> The Nationals did not send him a charter flight. He flew commercial. Not that I really care, but I thought that's fun information. Um, nonetheless, he has rejected a $450 million contract for 15 years uh, by the Nationals. And at first I was like, huh, maybe he just hates the Nationals. But then I thought about it, which could be the case still. Uh, technically, if you do have the math, that's $30 million a year for 15, mil- for 15 years that's not really that much money for a guy that's frankly already like a top five hitter in the league yeah. at the age of 23. Uh, not to mention the fact that in like five to 10 years, $30 million is going to be the amount of money given to guys like Brett Gardner in the last year of their season. Uh, so my, my point being, that's not going to mean a lot, $30 million. Uh, so he definitely wants something in the half a billion world. I'm sure he also probably wants less years. If I had to take a guess, probably wants like in between six and eight. So he can maybe get another sick deal after, I don't know. Uh, But where do we think he lands after? I will point out that the odds right now uh, have him as a possible destination going to the Padres. Uh, That's the best after the nationals at plus three seventy five, with the Dodgers and Rangers falling behind. Uh, What do y'all think? Uh, I will begin and say that I think he will be traded. I cannot give you a team. Uh, but I think he's going to be traded. I think he's too angry. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on. I think the Dodgers and the Padres, though, are the best options for Juan Soto. And I think his extension contract will be $500 million minimum, and it will be under 10 years. Justin.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's hard for me to guess contract-wise. In MLB The Show, the most you can do is 15 <laughs> years, $31 million per year, so you can't. So uh, I'm guessing the Nationals, like, went on MLB The Show and did that contract, and he accepted in-game. So that was the logic. And honestly, I'm here for that logic, and I understand how Juan Soto would then get upset if he heard that his MLB The Show self-accepted that offer. So at this point, there's about four teams that I consider. The Rangers were not in there. The Rangers need to calm down. I heard they were also talking about getting Luis Castillo. Rangers, you're not there. You're just not um (laughs) but Padres are on my list and then the Dodgers are on the list and I would say the Cardinals are on the list yes um out of those teams the Padres definitely have the most to give um which I think makes them a bit of a favorite um I do think the Cardinals are the team that probably needs him the most and the Dodgers are the team that he'll probably end up on somehow um, I mean there, there's like no other logic behind it like there's the other two teams just make so much more sense but if I had to like shoot at something I would say it's going to be the Dodgers um, just because I don't know there's been so much talk about in the media right now about him like being so nice to the Dodgers fans like at the all-star game and stuff like that and I don't know There there's something going on there maybe maybe some classic Philadelphia 76ers tampering happening. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I would have to guess he's going to end up on the Dodgers if not the Padres. I'd be kind of shocked if the Cardinals had enough to give to go for it, but you know, maybe maybe the Cardinals think that it's worth it to give up their whole bank for it because the Dodgers and Padres definitely have more to offer than that team. Uh, Kevin.
2: Yeah, so if I had to put money down, I would put money down on either the Padres or the Dodgers, meaning that the the reason why being those two teams are trying to get good so fast. And you already know that the other team is trying to outdo you at every possible turn on the trade deadline and competition breeds anxiety and restlessness. And I think AJ Preller is going to be aggressive to get Juan Soto, and the reason why is if you look at the Padres' postseason results for the last decade or two, they made it in 2020, but they lost in the Divisional Series. They missed the playoffs last year in 2021, but if you look at before that, the last time they made the playoffs was 2006. I don't think anyone's going to say this out loud, but I think there is enormous pressure, potentially by ownership, on A.J. Preller, and maybe internally, honestly, to construct a team that can not only make the postseason, but clearly contend and compete with the Dodgers. And I think they're at this point now where you have Manny Machado, Tatis, you have all these guys that are established. CJ Abrams can be a good shortstop, I think, in the future. But they're looking to win now, and they need outfield help. And I think they're going to be aggressive, because if you get those three megastars... I mean, you could put that big three against the Dodgers' big three, potentially of hitters, and you could make an argument that it's just as good. Okay. Um, and I think that's a move that's going to be considered that has to be done because I think the Padres feel they have to compete with this core. Otherwise, if they don't, when? And they're always just going to be the Dodgers' little brother. It's like the Red and- Sox in 04. You eventually have to break through the big brother, the bigger market team, you have to break through at some point. So I would bet on the Padres at this point. I think they're going to offer a ton of capital to the Nationals.
1: All right. And finally, with baseball, our post-All-Star break World Series prediction. I've already mentioned this, but I'll actually, I'll, I'll sit firm here, at least for right now, in late July. Mets, Mariners, and the Mets win the Mar- World Series. There you go. Justin.
0: Man, you were telling, you were saying at the beginning of the show that they were like a wild card team dropout for the Mariners, and now you have them in the World Series. You,
1: no, no, I was saying it was going to be difficult to get through the wild card. Uh, I think if they do, though, they they will have a lot of momentum
0: moving forward. Gotcha, makes sense, makes sense. Um, you know, I'm one of those kinds of stay firm kind of guys too. Um, I'm still going to stick with a preseason prediction because it's still feasible. I'm going to still take, and this is probably the first time it would have ever happened in history. Two teams go to the World Series who fired their managers mid-season, Blue Jays over Phillies <laughs> in the World Series. I, I think that's where I would go right now and hold on to what I said at the beginning of the year.
1: Oh, I mean, the Blue Jays have been kicking butt ever since. So Yeah,
0: exactly. And the Phillies have also been way better since Girardi left on um, – I have no idea if that was managerial on both teams' accounts, but you know something lit a fire up under everyone.
2: And hey, Kevin, for me, man, I'm gonna go Astros. Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers have people in and out of their lineup, and you know guys like Walker Bueller aren't necessarily having the All Star years they've had in the past, but. My God, he's not – he might not win the NL Cy Young because guys have better stats, but Clayton Kershaw has been immaculate this season. Like, against the Angels, I was watching him pitch, and he was throwing darts. Like, 72 curve, dropped it right on the edge, painting the corners. Like, Clayton Kershaw might be having one of his better seasons and he's at 34 and the guy just knows how to pitch just like and I, I want to see him in a world series I want to see him win another Cy Young personally but uh he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch now at this point and like god bro like the way like bro the way he paints corners like it gets you aroused bro like it's so it's it's insane where he places the ball yeah yeah
1: all right the NBA. Before we get to the NFL, which is only about a month and a week or two away, uh, there was a a trade that was offered uh, by the Celtics to the, uh, to to the Nets. So that's uh, that's already question number one. That included Jalen Brown. Uh, Jalen Brown was in there, I believe. Pritchard was maybe in there. Um, oh no, no, Derek White, excuse me. Um, and I think a like a pick or two or something for Kevin Durant. Uh, the Nets then responded and said, we want Jalen Brown as well as uh, one of the Williams and uh, Marcus Smart and picks uh, more picks. Uh, so the Nets are still going nuts on this high stock, hoping for something here. Somebody's going to bite Celtics. I've really put themselves in a bad spot. This is my opinion, a bad spot with the notion of, oh, yeah, Jalen Brown. You were the best player on our finals team, correct, on our finals run. You outplayed the uh, so-called superstar first team uh, all-NBA player. Um, We don't care. We would rather have Kevin Durant without you and uh, other players. So this has already set a bad uh, tone to Jalen Brown. He wrote like SMH on Twitter, which means shake my head. He's not happy. So now it's almost like they're in a situation where if they don't even get Kevin Durant, do they just have to get rid of Jalen Brown? I don't know. Like now I don't even know. So Celtics, I think made a huge error. Nets are not going to accept anything oh uh, until frankly, they have to in the fall. Um, as of right now, I think nothing's going to happen until the Nets relax, but I think other teams are going to crumble because of what they're offering the Nets <laughs> and then making uh internal team rosters upset. So Kevin Durant yet again, making many people upset, but uh, this one's on the GMs, though. Just a horrible uh, trade discussion from
0: the Celtics side, uh, Justin. I think the Celtics should. I think the Celtics should accept what the Nets countered. I think that is a fair trade, and I think it would be a huge win for the Celtics because I don't. I, I think Jalen Brown is good. I don't think he's. I don't think he's top fifteen. I'd have to actually go back and look. I don't think he's top fifteen in the league. That's fine. Um, okay. and I don't think he's ever going to be, honestly. I think he's pro I think he's probably close to his top of his game, in my opinion. I don't think there's much room for growth. And I think he's a really good like second or, or and a, definitely a top third man, but I don't think he's ever gonna be the first guy on a team that would win them a championship. I mean, and going to the nets would make him that top guy there, which he might appeal to anyway, as well, you get to go there. And I guess he might not be happy to have to play with Ben Simmons, but you know, that's kind of the, kind of the punches you have to take. But I I think it's a huge win for both sides. In my opinion, I don't think the Celtics are giving up too much for a team that definitely has reached that win now kind of mentality. Um, and the nets i think are getting a lot of like players back but i don't think they really stack up in a way that's like oh my god this is a crazy amount of players i mean it's jalen brown and then in my opinion a bunch of people that are role players at best that could easily be traded for like cash consideration and then draft picks which i think is the biggest part of the deal probably for the celtics um is giving up as many draft picks as the nets wanted and i if the Celtics think they're going to win for the rest of Kevin Durant's career, and at least be close to that championship mark, you're willing to give up those draft picks. So Celtics should take the offer that the Nets countered with and just call it a day. Cause it is true that you've definitely created a bit of anxiety in the rock locker room now by putting that into the world, especially when you offer the trade, not the Nets yeah. offering it to you. Yeah. Something yeah. That's, that's oh, where it's idiots. bad to you. Uh, Kevin idiots. I'm
2: sorry. Uh, What did I say? Um, So, can the Celtics trade back for Danny Ainge and move Brad Stevens out of the GM role? Like, I'm going to run through the player histories of the last three years. So, admittedly, it is the COVID season that I'm including here. But player one did not play his Achilles. That's year one. Year two, played 35 games. Year three, played 55 games. Player two. First year, 57 games played. Second year, 58 games played. Last year, 66 games played. Who is player two?
0: Probably Jalen Brown.
2: Yes. Who is player one?
0: I wish it was Ben Simmons, so it's probably Kevin Durant.
2: (laughs) Yes. Like... The, the thing I don't understand, bro, and this is why a Durant deal has not been done, is because all the NBA GMs know, as of right now, that Kevin Durant is a declining asset. If we're just strictly talking basketball, he's 34 years old, going to be next year. He's had an Achilles tear. He hasn't played over 60 games the last three years. And I got to be honest, if we're properly evaluating Kevin Durant, Outside of scoring at an elite level, what does Kevin Durant do great? Crickets, exactly. Like, Kevin Durant is a more glorified version of Carmelo Anthony.
1: I, I agree with that.
2: He's better defensively than Melo, I'll say that. But, like, you, Kevin Durant doesn't run an offense in terms of pick and roll and playmaking for people. In terms of a rhythm protector, you can't put him down low on anybody. He can like switch off and hit the weak side, but you can't put him consistently as the five. He rebounds good for his position. I would say like not necessarily great, but he's not a physical, imposing guy. He doesn't always post up people. He's good at threes and he's good at, you know, finishing and attacking the rim and anything scoring. But in terms of everything else, leadership, whatever, like Kevin Durant's not great. And he's 34 years old. And so, if I'm the Celtics and I have Jalen Brown, who admittedly, like, is he not as good of a scorer as Kevin Durant? Yes. Is he a better defender, argued at this point? Yes. Is he a good, not great passer and good, not great rebounder? Yes. But he's 25 years old. And if I can potentially bank on that, he could get better for the next three or four years, and I could have three or four more years of prime Jalen Brown. Why would I give that up for maybe two more years of prime Kevin Durant? When, it, when we've seen so far also, if we're going back to results, outside of the Steph Curry run, has not resulted in finals, has not resulted in championships. Before Kevin Durant went to Golden State, if you said out of a lineup, pick LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Seventy percent of NBA fans would have had Kevin Durant third. The narrative only changed when he went to Golden State. So you question who he is mentally. You question who he, if he can lead. You question his health. You question his age. You question what he does great outside of scoring. Like it's not even so much giving up the other guys, other than the fact that like you have two very good to great small forwards who can get their own shot offensively in their prime at 24 and 25. The Clippers have that, but those guys are in their thirties. The Lakers had one and he's 36 going on 37. This was asinine. If you're a Celtics fan, if I'm a Celtics fan, I want Brad Stevens removed from GM duties. I don't want to hear about you again at this point. Like he has to be moved somewhere else. And honestly, if you're the Celtics organization, you might have to move him at this point to tear the bridge. I mean, Jalen Brown literally responded with SMH on Twitter. And, and I would understand with his production, why would you think about trading me? Considering who I am, where I am now, and what I can bring you. Why would you consider trading me?
0: Uh, I'll stamp it right now. Hot take next four years. Durant will play all four years and will have a better four years than Brown. And I don't think it will be close. I think Durant, when he plays, will be 100% better, no matter where both the players are. I don't care if they're on the same teams, different teams. I don't care if Durant's playing for the Rockets again. I, I I don't care who he's playing for because here's the thing. The Celtics don't need a ball handler. They just brought in Brogdon, and Tatum's been doing great. They just brought in Gallinari. They have a great team out there with Durant. They just need Durant to go out there and score. They don't need him as a leader. Tatum's a leader. I'm willing to say it. Tatum has to be a leader now. I mean, he's on a top team, and that's the difference right now is that they just need a bit more leadership. Jalen Brown isn't the leader of that team. He may play like he's a leader occasionally, but he is not the guy in that locker room who's hyping people up on a day-to-day. And I don't think Durant wants to be that guy either. He just wants to go and play his game, make his money, and win, in my opinion. I don't think he wants to be the locker room presence that other players are and makes other teams. I think he wants Tatum to do it, and Brogdon just does the ball handling, and then you call it a day. I think it's a way better option, honestly.
2: But even mentally, here's the thing with Durant that I don't like and respect. If mentally – you were at this point, okay, see, you couldn't win the title, right? You go to Golden State. If it was really all about winning, if it was all about winning, you would have stayed in Golden State, and you would have been Lord of the Rings. You would have been the Lord of the Rings if you just stayed. But he didn't want to do that. He wanted to go and, I guess, be the guy. And he says he doesn't listen to people, but he clearly does. And I don't think he knows what he wants out of basketball. I don't think he knows if he wants to be the guy. I don't think he knows if he wants to be the Lord of the Rings. I don't think he knows if he wants to just be somewhere forever and be beloved. I don't think he has any idea what he wants. Like, and this is a guy who is, a. and I'm saying this about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, regardless of whatever you think about who he is, what he represents, what he believes, you know where he stands. I love Portland. I want to be here for my career. You know, maybe maybe you could say like, Hey, LeBron James, I'm coming to this team. I want to win here, so trade all the young assets. You know where LeBron James stands. Steph Curry, I want to be beloved and I want to win titles and I'm willing to take pay cuts, whatever. You know where these players stand when they build the teams at. And the GMs aren't confused. Kevin Durant, you don't know what he wants. Like, honestly, after four or five years, and I'm kind of saying this now as like a cathartic experience, but like, What does
0: he want? Uh, I mean, for me, I think it's kind of like the soup too hot, soup too cold soup about, right? I mean, yeah, he wanted to go win. He went to go and stay and won. Then he came out here and was like, I want to be like the guy on a team. But when he got into that situation with the Nets, he realized that he kind of had to be the guy on and off the court. And he realized that's not what he desired. I think he just wants to be a guy on the court. He wants to be the guy to go to on the court but he does not want the responsibilities of what happens in the background. He wants the responsibilities of playing basketball. He does not want the responsibilities of being the GM LeBron and taking care of the locker room at the same time. He's not a babysitter. He doesn't want to be like that. And that's a bad like mentality player, in my opinion, who's that good and doesn't want to be that guy. But that's who he wants to be. And for that, I mean, the Celtics are the perfect situation.
2: If you demand responsibilities on yourself as a person whatever walk of life you are and you say all right i i want to be the guy i want to get paid i want to be in charge of this company like i i have a boss at my company this guy john and he's hands-on with everything he knows what he's doing he knows what he wants but if he just came in one day and was like and we're like yeah john like you know we can't get shit out to construction whatever and like shit's kind of fucked and he's just like yeah, I don't really see how that's my problem. We'd be like, yo, you're, you're, you're the CFO of the company. Like, What the fuck do you mean that it's not your responsibility? Like, if you are the guy, if you are the best player, if you are the best basketball player, you are the CFO. Like, and I gotta be honest, like, with Durant's age, bro, like, Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles at 36, 37. Like, Durant's already torn his Achilles. Like, like, Fickle personality combined with fickle health, and like questionable ability in terms of Jalen Brown, like, like, why would I deal for that, bro? Like, why would I deal with that? All right, they add, they add
0: value, you know. It's like, uh, it, You know what? I, I, don't know what I'd say. I was thinking about this works, and I don't think it exactly does, but I'll say, you know, it's like here, our show. Let's just oh say. Oh, uh, uh, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew White, the man over here, you know, he's the captain. He's like in charge of everything. He does all the editing behind the scenes. He makes this sound amazing every week. He posts on the social. He hosts the show. He does the whole shebang. He's like the hero and the beloved, like, guy of this show. Like, no oh, questions wow. asked. Yeah. But, you know, there's people like me who, you know, I don't want to do all that stuff. I want to occasionally send Andrew some questions, and I want to come and fight you guys about sports on this show. And you know what? I ball out on this show. <laughs> and that's the KD mentality right there. Uh, I have it somewhere in this head. So I like it. Yeah, uh, like I'm it. just here to ball out, man. But you know, I leave our hero Andrew White to take care of the rest, you know?
1: All right, all right. We're done with <laughs> the nice, the nice sappy things to me. I appreciate it. But yeah, no, you do ball out. You both do. You do it's out. a pleasure. No, it's fun. No, 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 no. I, I, I
2: talked for a long time. I'm sorry about
0: No, that. you're chilling. You're chilling.
2: No, we go
1: back do. and
0: forth. This is good. We, this is what led GM Andrew White wants over there.
1: This is good. This is this is why we can't possibly talk about the rest of the NFL topics that we have, but we'll discuss it another time. We'll get the NFL for
0: Marshall when he comes back. True, true. Well, maybe
1: we'll we'll grab like a couple of them. Uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> appreciate the comments. You are the man. Okay. Aiton's contract. DeAndre Ayton, for those of you who don't know, was on the Phoenix Suns. He still is on the Phoenix Suns. The Pacers uh, gave him an offer of the max contract. This, this is very complicated. I'm, I'm going to try to explain it quickly. If you don't get it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the Suns basically had to match the offer within a 48-hour period. Otherwise, the Pacers would acquire DeAndre Ayton for whatever their you know, contract was with him. Basically meaning the Suns ran out of time to trade and get assets for DeAndre. Basically meaning the Suns blew it. Uh, Then uh, because of this, they decided to then pay for him. A guy who literally doesn't want to play for the team in the playoffs. He sat the bench and told Monty Williams, I'm not playing for the rest of the game. Uh, So this is a guy who doesn't want to play for Phoenix. They don't value him the way he thinks he should be valued. Uh, and they don't think he tries nearly as hard as his gifted talent ability is. So now he is on the Suns. They match the offer, frankly, because they had to, right? I mean, you're not just going to lose that guy as a restricted free agent uh, just out of nowhere when you were going to trade him and possibly get Kevin Durant like a few weeks ago, right? So now they kept him. They paid a max that they didn't want. He's on the team. W- w- what are you guys thinking That's What the hell is going to happen? Is he going to play? I mean, as of right now, he is a son. I'll put it this way. The sons are going to need to find a way. And by the way, he now, because of this, for whatever the reason the rules are, he cannot be traded until January. Uh, this is the situation. That, that is important info in case anybody missed that. So really, the Suns took too long here. That's kind of the synopsis. Um, the sons are going to need to try very hard to get this guy to play because you don't want a Ben Simmons situation here. They need him to play and they need him to be good. Uh, And then they can decide in January if he actually all of a sudden starts to enjoy playing in Phoenix or he's just good enough that they can try again in the trade market that they so failed this offseason. They need this guy to play or they're going to be in a bad spot January and get pennies for him. So we'll see what happens. They paid a contract they don't want. I think the Suns are screwed. Uh, in in the coming seasons with the Clippers and the Warriors and the Mavericks and frankly, the Lakers, especially if they get Kyrie. uh, I think the Suns window uh, is rapidly ending uh, because this off season and uh, how they were treated by the Mavericks in game seven, they've made a lot of mistakes very quickly. So I worry about Phoenix. I do, but they need him to play now. Justin.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you hit a lot of nails on the head there. I mean, they kind of, got screwed into this contract. They can't trade him till January. I I don't think he's going to sit out like Ben Simmons. If I think anyone's going to sit out like Ben Simmons, it's the guy we just talked about, Kevin Durant. If the trades can't get done, he might sit. um, And he might sit to go to Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix was considered a top contender for Kevin Durant prior to this Aiden situation. Mm -hmm. And now I don't think they could find any way to budget it in because like you said, Andrew, they can't trade him till January. So... Is there a situation where Durant sits around till January and then the Suns block that trade? I think 100% because like we all said, Suns didn't want to take that contract, but they had to, not because they wanted to the play necessarily, but because they want to get something out of him value wise in some kind of trade or deal. They need to get something for him. And, and I agree. I, I think the Suns are in a tough spot right now, but if they're able to somehow secure Durant or another top player, by giving up DeAndre Aiden come trade deadline for the NBA this next season. I I think it works out in the end. It's just going to be a very tough deal to move on. But I understand the theory of not wanting to lose out on anything you could get for such a young player simply because someone offered him a contract and he refused to sign an RFA deal prior to that.
1: And now it's delayed eight months later uh, than they wanted this to be done. Um, All right, Kevin.
2: Yeah, well, again, this goes back to what I said before, the Kevin Durant hesitancy. Like Phoenix was, by all accounts, along with Miami, maybe one of two teams that people were like, oh, they could be in the driver's seat for KD. And again, the uncertainty about, you know, some people were like, well, because of the Rudy Gobert trade with like the five draft picks, you might have to deal 10 picks to get KD. And I think a lot of, same gms around the league or or like even just moderately intelligent gms are going around looking at each other like like 10 draft picks for like a 34 year old with already a torn achilles like what so for i think phoenix i think they were looking at i think james jones was looking at it like i don't really like the asking price i'd rather just roll it back with the same team we had last year now you can argue that the team is peaked and especially with chris Paul being like 38 that those are like a really small window if not already closed. But if I'm Phoenix, at the very least I have a fun, exciting team that I'm going to be able to roll back with. And if you acquire um, if you acquire Katie or someone who's like an aging veteran and you get basically unearth your whole infrastructure of your team, you know, this could be an instance of do you prefer a slow stagnation and then decline? Or do you, prepare, do you or do you love an immediate drop off? <laughs> That's like you know Six Flags Park. Um, because some people sometimes you can make a decision in life or in sports where you can you can delay a stagnation or a decline. But then you can make a decision that just completely screws you over and you absolutely mess up whatever, you know inner peace or security you had. Um, The one thing, can I just say one thing, too, about player perceptions I think needs to be noted? Because I I was saying before, like, what does KD want? And this is what I mean, like, what NBA players should consider at this point. Fuck the fans. Like, fuck the fans. Like, you're, you're on earth for a certain amount of time. And in that time, you can't always be concerned about placating other people. Obviously, like, should you lead a moral life? Should you lead a life of values? Yeah, I'm not advocating that you just live a hedonistic lifestyle and just have no morals. But if you're an NBA player and you're thinking like, well, what, like, what, do, what, what do the fans think? Like, what do people think about me if I do this, that? What do you value? What do you want in your life? Do you value people? Do you feel like you love the people you've been with and you want to stay with an organization for your whole career? is winning everything, and you want to go anywhere that's going to give you the best opportunity. There's something in every player's mindset that can be beloved by a segment of fans in any sport. Because, again, people have different personalities, people different drives, different motives. But the worst thing you can do as a player or as a human being is to say, yeah, you know, screw trying to make myself what I want to do. I have to placate the people. And that's what I think Kevin Durant's been doing. Sorry, but like that's that's just what I was getting at before.
1: All good. All right, we're going to do two incredibly rapid NFL questions, not even talk about it, just a quick opinion, and then a hot take. We'll end the show. Uh, we'll do more of the NFL stuff next week, although it's going to be a little bit late, but nobody cares because it'll be closer to the NFL season. It'll be August. It'll feel better. Um, but right off the bat, quickly, Baker Mayfield to the Panthers. Panthers play the Browns week one, get your popcorn Uh, real quick. uh, We'll, we'll talk about this as the season gets closer, obviously. Uh, Will he start Baker Mayfield for the Panthers? And was this good for him? Those are the only two questions you don't have to elaborate. I'll begin. Great move for him. Love it. I think it's awesome. And I'm saying that because I think he will start week one and he's going to beat the Browns. And my God, his career is going to make a big switch. That's what I'm going to say. Jess.
0: I agree with all of your sentiments. I'm unsure, except for the part where the career makes a big switch. Um, I think he'll be back to where he was prior to his injury, but uh, I'm unsure how far that will push him this season. You know, I think it was a big win for the Panthers record. I don't think it's going to do much for them. I had them going 1-15 originally. I now have them at around 5-12. and oh.
1: oh, my God. <laughs> Giving them the work
2: on your schedule. Tough, tough. Uh, Kevin. Um, I'll, I'll sign off to everything you said. White, yes and yes. Um, good move, but I think his career could still be somewhat like Andy dole to some degree.
1: Okay, uh, next one, Kyler Murray, because this is now like a week or two old, so I figured we'd drop this one or say this one. Kyler Murray's contract, uh, it was leaked. He got a massive contract. He's now the second highest paid quarterback in the league, I think. Right? That was correct. Yeah, I think he's the second highest paid. Um. Mm-hmm the same guy who yells at his offensive line and they hate him back. And yeah. And he also said he doesn't even want to play for them. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it's been leaked that there's four hours of independent film study keyword independent film study and keyword four hours uh, a week week uh, that he needs to study film because apparently he rarely studied film. Most of his stuff is uh, improv out there, I guess, which is what makes sense in the playoff performance that he had. Uh, what do you think the contract just was a bad or good, and maybe something about the film? I think it's a horrible contract. Another Arizona team blowing it. Uh, the only good news possibly is that if he actually does his film, and he really wasn't doing film before, maybe he's actually like really, really good. But I never believe in players that don't want to play for you, and they play for you just because of your contract. Uh, I also think it's embarrassing that that was leaked. So. Not a good move by the Cardinals, I'll put it that way. You're that uh, Arizona. Justin.
2: That's what Andrew White thinks about you. And your sports. The, team. the teams, the teams, the
1: two teams. Dude, they were on, they were all they're all on such good paces, man. I was here for them. And they just they're just like, eh, not anymore.
0: Uh Justin. Well, I think it's too much money for Kyler Murray. I'm not sold on Kyler Murray by any means. Um, secondly, it's crazy how embarrassing that leak was that they actually removed it from the contract. Yeah. Wait, what? They, they, they removed did, it. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, they, they just said he it. doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do it anymore. They just made a—I don't know what the word is—referendum, referendum something like that—to yeah, the contract yeah. to get rid of it. Um, but I understand why. I mean, Kyler Murray, popularly known for being a huge gamer, he's part of um, FaZe Clan actually, and he's one of their primary investors as well, which just went public and is doing really well, by the way. Um, but now. They've also traded for Marquise Brown, who is a huge gamer. Who we were talking last (laughs) offseason, how he might possibly leave the NFL to become a Twitch streamer. I remember
1: that. Yeah, and and recently
0: won like a huge Fortnite NFL players tournament. Um, (laughs) And I don't think that's going to help Kyler either. But maybe it'll give some good connections with his wide receiver, and the the connection will work well. But I don't think Kyler Murray can throw that far to Brown, anyways. Um, So. Hey, you, guys to watch, you guys wanna watch you guys want to watch film? Nah, nah, give me the sticks. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch film. Show bring up that Fortnite battle royale. I want to <laughs> rewatch my dubs, baby. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't like Tyler that much as a quarterback. He's uh, like worse Lamar Jackson. I think he's worse than Jalen Hurts, honestly, too, already. Uh-huh. Um and I don't think he has what it takes to like get the Cardinals anywhere near where they need to be. So I I'm out on all of it together. Hey Kevin.
2: Wait, who do you guys think did the leak? Who do you think leaked it?
0: I, I, I don't know. Some lawyer. like It was prob- I, probably his agent to get him out of it. Or maybe Kyler himself to get him out of it. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying. <laughs> at,
2: quite- at first, I thought maybe the, the team did it. But then I was thinking, like, why would the team do that? Because then people would say, like, WTF, why did you give him the money then?
1: The, but, the agent's like, yeah, don't you worry, Kyler. You're not <laughs> doing that. Don't you
0: worry. <laughs> I, I can hear that conversation happening.
1: <laughs> Four hours, bro, not happening. It's
0: all the, the,
2: the hilarious thing is that this leak, whoever intended it, all parties look bad because of it. So whoever whoever did the leak was like, ooh, like, ooh, I'm going to really screw these guys over. I'm going to make the Cardinals and look, Kyler look so bad. And then everybody just looked horrible. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, you guys – you know, could excuse my American, like, what the fuck are the Cardinals doing? Like, what like, what are you guys doing at this point? Like, their roster as is, they have, like, no notable, like, real standout defenders outside of, like, Buddha Baker at safety, who's, like, an absolute stud, one of the best of his position. But, like, J.J. Watt is, like, a rotation guy in terms of where he is. He's a great guy, but just, like, his health, he's not where he was, obviously, four or five years ago um Chandler Jones is gone and then on offense you don't really have an O-line and all your offensive skill position guys are guys who are in their 30s or approaching mid 30s that are declining so like like where is the talent on this team and to lock up Kyler like if you had concerns like oh Kyler is lazy and like okay let's just like let's just say that it's true I'm not, we're not in the locker room, but let's just say it is like on God's green earth. Like if you know that he's lazy, like why would you give him the money then? If you knew he was this lazy that you to put in the contract, like I can't help but think you're, you're on drugs or something. If you gave him the contract, like, are you on crack? Like you see this guy every day and you think he's lazy and you have a, you feel like he has a reputation or he's not going to be a franchise guy, but you still pay him anyway. That tells me also, if, even if they knew, that maybe they're just scared of their fan base and they don't have any confidence in any of their decision-making. Mm. And based off how they drafted, honestly, I guess you would have to have some questions. But, like, you know, I thought, I thought honestly, that the Seahawks maybe had the worst future in the NFC West, the Cardinals might, because they're stuck with a quarterback who doesn't like them, who they don't really fully believe in, who yes he can be he's proven to be a good starter but in terms of like a great quarterback we still don't know and he takes a lot of hits and he's not that tall yeah. and he doesn't necessarily have the best arm so it's like what are you guys doing like i just i'd rather be seattle because at least at least it's all stripped down <laughs> and there's there's no assets that are you know unturned or overcommitted to they just committed so much franchise money to a guy they don't even like
1: and he doesn't like them all right, finally, uh, the hot take of the week. That's what we will end on, whatever your hot take of the week is. I will begin. This one is football, although we're a month away. The Chargers win the AFC West handily. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the hot take. Um, the Chiefs are going uh, – they're going to struggle to get a wild card spot. I think it's going to be hard. Um, between, Because I think the Colts are going to win the AFC South. So between um, the Titans, Patriots, frankly, the Broncos, the Dolphins, I think it's going to be tough. I'm going to put it that way. It's going to be tough. Um, I'm not quite going to say right now they're going to miss the wild card, but the Chiefs don't have as uh, easy pickings as I think they used to think. I'll put it that way. Uh, not by any close margin. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll say it for you, Whitey. Chiefs will go 9-8 and and will be two games out of the wild card. They won't even be close. Wow, wow. And and I agree. I think the Chargers are going to win the the division. Honestly, I think Justin Herbert has a great shot at MVP this season. Um, He does. Assuming Staley coaches well and better than last season, I I think Herbert is like a great MVP candidate. But my hot take that I'm going to go with is that recent news, DK Metcalf, three-year 72 million con- year, 72 million dollar contract extension, I believe, something around that. Maybe it was 42 million, something like no, no, that. No, it was in the 70s. It was 70. Okay. I think it was three years, 72 million. Metcalf will not be a Seattle Seahawk for that whole contract. He will be traded before the end of that contract.
1: Fair. Fair. Uh, like before the season starts now, or you say like, th- like, no, just later. before
0: the end of that contract. Like okay. three year deal, he will not survive all three years on that Seattle Seahawks team. Mainly because he will want to die. Whoever is throwing the ball to him.
2: And Kevin, um, my hot take is that the Green Bay Packers do not win their division.
1: Interesting. Who does? As of right, or do you now, not know that yet?
2: I would say Minnesota, but they've disappointed me plenty of times. So uh, <laughs> Minnesota's
0: going to win the division. Kev, just say it. It's true. They're winning the division.
2: The offensive yeah. <laughs> yeah. Captain Kirk is great in prime time. I'll tell you that much.
1: Nah, give me the Lions nah, I'm kidding.
2: If but, Dalvin um, Cook plays every game, man.
0: I don't know. How, the Vikings should win that division. If he plays every game, that's should be a deal.
2: The one question, I guess, too, about the AFC West quickly. Do you think the Chargers are a dark horse Super Bowl team at this point?
1: I don't I don't even think it's a dark horse
0: anymore. Personally. They're my Super Bowl pick winner right now. They're my winner. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a dark horse anymore. I think as the AFC goes, the Chargers should be top three in everybody's like, like standings of what AFC team makes the Super Bowl. I feel like if anybody says they're not top three, it's kind of like I would say that's a hot take. Um, so yes, yeah. I, I I wouldn't even call it a dark horse. I say yes.
0: Anybody yeah. who has the Chiefs being as good is like banking that Sky Moore somehow pays off like huge in year one. That's the <laughs> only way that the Chiefs make it in my opinion
1: like i i I, I, right now my afc championship is bill's chargers um right right now uh, i
0: I have chargers bengals right now
1: there you go so that answers your question kev that's a great Uh, match love that all right that'll do it for q hot takes it's been a month and a week but it was great having the boys back we missed marshall hopefully he's enjoying europe as much as jelly did my name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Justin Ellis and Kevin Slattery, saying it's a great day to be alive. Go Dogs! In a month and a couple of days, baby, college football's coming back,
2: and uh, yeah, that's it.
0: Go Phils, We're right there. Can't wait to see what the trade deadline looks like.
2: Go Yanks! See what happens. Uh, can't wait for the NFL season to start, and I can't wait to see what the Bengals did. I saw a cool story where Jamar Chase was saying that he was Joe Burrow's personal shopper. So I, uh, I love. You know, heartfelt, warm stories like that. So, love to see it.